Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Guys, week two, your pregame tailgate edition. Uh, we'll get this out here, you know, hopefully by early Saturday morning because it's rained here in Jersey for nine days, so I have no soccer coaching responsibilities. So I'll be at the office nice and early to get this guys up for you. Uh, as we roll on here, uh, look, you know, headed down to New Orleans. Uh, it's probably the wrong time to face New Orleans. You don't want to face them after they've already established a loss where maybe somebody maybe caught them a little bit sleeping. So, a again, a tall, tall task. And all you guys who had aspirations of a 9-7 and seven season, this is kind of things I was talking about. The NFC South, legitimate opponents. The AFC West, Chargers, Chiefs, all that's going on out there. It was going to be tough to ever see these nine wins that some of you guys, you know, and I appreciate you all for dreaming big. I do. Trust me, if anybody loves big dreamers, it's me. But uh, I'm not sure how this is going to work out this week. It, it, there's a lot on the table here. But joining us, uh, you know, from the OBR, guys, obviously he's been on a lot of times. One of my favorite guys to speak with, Jared Mueller. Jared, how is everything? It's going good, brother. It's good to be Friday. That means we're going into... The weekend, we've got the Buckeyes tomorrow night, and we've got the Browns Sunday morning. So, you know, a little bit of hopefully some positive on Saturday, and we'll see what Sunday brings us. But my wife's always told me my my sports fandom and all that is really balanced out with the Buckeyes normally winning on Saturday and the Browns struggling just a little bit on Sunday. So not too high, not too low. I get that good balance normally. Hopefully the Browns turn it around, and I just have a, get to have a good weekend and uh, walk into work with a big old head on Monday. Uh, that's the thing, because you know some of the, I, I've seen some of the Ohio State chatter, and well, you know, playing t- TCU, it's not really a neutral site game. Uh, yeah, there'll be about fifty-five, sixty thousand people there wearing, uh, you know, <laughs> wearing the crimson and silver. I don't think Ohio State's too concerned about the fact about whether or not people are going to show up for a for a game like that. So that is always interesting that plays out. Uh, but like I said, Jared, here we are. We're headed down to New Orleans. Um, look, Tampa, you know, New Orleans. You know, a play away from the NFC Championship last year. Now, I mean, you know, I, I don't think this is a hangover. I think last week was uh, you had a secondary with, uh, you know, two rookies who performed very well last year. Uh, I think Tampa just kind of came in and said, look, we're going to nine route you to death. And we're just, it's week one. We'll see how fresh everybody is, how you know good everybody is to, ready to go. I, everybody's kind of had a glimpse of Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he, at this point, he's been on maybe 31 of 32 NFL teams. <laughs> so everyone's seen Ryan play. And there's just days where Ryan Fitzpatrick can just throw the living daylights out of the ball. Last Sunday was one of them. And it's always a situation where Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking for what's next for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jameis Winston obviously serving the three-game suspension. Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out there, lights it up for 450. Tampa's got concerns about whether or not they're going to stick with Jameis long-term. It's a typical, it was a typical Ryan Fitzpatrick day. Um, but at the end of the day here, we're going to face the New Orleans Saints, and uh, they still hung 40 points up in a loss. There's talent everywhere. The question is, and with this defense last year, did the weather aid them into holding Pittsburgh into 21 and you know what they were able to do. We're going to find out here Sunday. We're going to dome. There ain't no issues anymore and we're going against, you know, an offense that can really put up yardage and points, Jared. Yeah, and I think what we fail to realize is that Drew Brees isn't generally having going to have any bad games, right? So against Tampa put up 40, 37 of 45, 439, three touchdowns, right? So He's not putting up bad games, and he's done it in the past with some okay, mediocre play around him. This year, 
Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Ted Ginn, Ben Watson. I love Austin Carr. He's an under-the-radar name, someone I really thought the Browns should take a look at last year as kind of a slot guy that could fill a need that they didn't really have. Um, they just have people who can threaten the field in so many different ways. Really, you would say the one thing they don't have is kind of that big bruising back that can, um, you know, run between the tackles pretty strong, but they don't need that when you have Drew Brees, who is precise. He can read defenses. I think he's going to read Greg Williams mail before it's even delivered. Um, and so you're looking at an offense that just has a lot of talent on it that obviously can produce. And you're looking at a defense that was embarrassed last week who last year really finally, for the first time in the Drew Brees era, uh, in the last, you know, five or so years of Drew Brees, it was a defense that actually stood up. You know, it was, you know, top 15, 17, 18, somewhere in that area, uh, all over the place. And he hasn't had that in a long time. And so they were shellacked last week. The odds are that that's not going to happen two weeks in a row. So we're looking at a really, really tough game. And so people with optimism, I appreciate it. It's great to see. Um, but unfortunately, that means you're putting some stuff up on a pedestal that is unlikely to fulfill your wishes. We're all hoping that it will, but I think we need to be more realistic after an interesting tie last week, knowing where New Orleans is, knowing we are in their home, on their field, with that crowd, with that turf. It's going to be a tough game for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. And if you actually look at the defenses, it is kind of similar. Now, you look at you know New Orleans, uh, obviously, with the, you know, uh, with Latimer, uh, you know, with Williams in the secondary. And you look at Cleveland, Ward, Peppers, you know, a couple of younger guys in the secondary. They just went out, obviously, and they spent very heavy on Marcus Tavenport for the pass rusher. Obviously, Cleveland highly invested in Miles Garrett. So defensively, the scenarios about how they got to their defenses are very similar. But you and you know, and you kind of almost look at it on the offensive side of the ball, and you know, you, if you can get Josh Gordon to be Josh Gordon, Drew Brees, you know, you hope maybe you got a kind of a guy like that in Baker Mayfield. So, so, so there's some interesting interesting scenarios. And if there's one thing Browns fans want to look for in this game is if you want to see a model of maybe what this could be in a year or two, this is a good team to look at. You know, granted they're not playing in the dome, so you're you're probably not going to put <clears throat> put up the offensive numbers that New Orleans Saints do. But this is kind of what you're hoping for. And look, you know, and the Saints they don't have that bruising back right now because he's getting September off, and it may aid the bruising back that he gets to come back in October. <laughs> Um, but maybe that's why they want to start, you know, maybe getting back on the right side of things now. But offensively, on the offensive side of the ball, um, Tyrod Taylor. And, and look, I was fine. And, you know, I, I I hate when I just get quick to jump on things. And everyone's like, oh, well, Jeff, it was a hurricane game. It was a monsoon. It was this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, I, I talked with Bill's guys. I had Bill's guys on when Tyrod was first brought in. And part of what they told me is, you know, the concern you have with Tyrod is, He'll make the plays that are there, and he will not force things, and he'll take sacks, and you know that you know that was kind of with that in the back of my head. That is what I saw this past Sunday. Now this is what gives me concern this week. I mean, look, we're not going to be able to use weather as an excuse. Um, look, the offensive line—it's going to be the same unit now two weeks in a row. This has been the same unit now going on what eight, nine, ten days. I mean, yes, you have concerns, but they're not excuses. You know who's out there. You know the guys in front of you. Is Tyrod going to be able to open it up? And, you know, will they open it up? I mean, and now look, everybody's in here now. It's been two to three weeks. 
there's pieces in place, and, and we've talked about this, Jared. There's pieces in place for this offense to be able to move the ball, score some points. We need to see it. We need to kind of need to see it soon. Yeah, absolutely. I think we start with that offensive <laughs> line. I think we focused on Harrison. That's natural. There was this weird transition and Betonio out, now Harrison, all that. The reality is, is if they tried to uh, block Cam Jordan with tight ends like they did T.J. Watt, Tyrod Taylor is not even going to make it through this game. Uh, and so some of that, while Tyrod is obviously holding the ball long, it's what he does. Like This is the guy that I've seen and I've liked for years. Again, liked, not loved. This is the guy that can uh, be a part of a very good team. It's not a guy that's going to carry the team on his back like Drew Brees. And so you have to put him in positions to win. Blocking TJ Watt with tight ends or your sixth lineman, who somehow wasn't Austin Corbett, your number three, 33 overall pick, just doesn't make sense. So if you try to do that with Cam Jordan, who is a longer veteran who knows what he's doing a little bit more than TJ Watt, things are going to get really ugly. I think the thing with Tyrod Taylor, and oftentimes people know this about me, and it's it's unfortunately just a part of my personality, is when the Browns lose, which is unfortunately often, I tend to be kind of the optimist. And when the Browns win, I tend to look at things that they can do better. I don't know what it is about me. Uh, it's not even really devil's advocate. It's just my nature is, hey, if we lost, what could we have done a little bit better? And if we won, what could we have done a little bit better? I like to look at what we can do better. And so here's the reality about Tyrod Taylor. I think the conversation about him is completely different if two things happen. One, David Njoku catches the ball on the sideline for that first down, uh, the fair. one that just went right through his hands as he was going to the ground. And if Tyrod Taylor leads Josh Gordon on that deep ball on the right sideline, I think if those two things go differently, one was within Tyrod's control, one was not. If those two things go differently, we're having a completely different conversation about Tyrod Taylor. Oh, and I don't even care about wins. Would be on. <laughs> exactly. And, even, and for me, it's not even about wins. It's about It would have been about his stats. It would have been about these big plays. He put that ball to David Njoku where I have not seen a Cleveland Browns quarterback be able to put a ball on somebody to keep him inbounds but away from the defender in the exact perfect spot. I haven't seen that throw in, I don't know if forever is the right term, maybe Jeff Garcia, maybe Brian Hoyer did that once on accident. I'm not sure, but that throw was perfection and should have been caught should have been a first down could have changed the game and obviously we know the underthrown ball to josh gordon that was intercepted would have been the game the game would have been over right and so um those two plays i think we're talking about tyrod taylor differently one obviously in his control one not but the one to gordon he was going for it he was taking that aggressive step uh towards his receiver and i think as he gets more comfortable with josh gordon because Taylor's been in the league a long time. You can tell comfort is important to him. That's why he threw a ton of balls to Jarvis Landry. Once he gets comfortable with Gordon, I think you're going to see more of those big shots. You don't take big shots to Jarvis Landry. He's not out jumping anyone. He doesn't have long enough arms. He doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the size, doesn't have the strength. He's not doing any of that. So while they threw him a few deeper balls, you're not really getting overly aggressive with a Jarvis Landry that you might with a Josh Gordon or an Antonio Callaway speed or David Njoku if you can trust him to catch the ball. So um, I think we're just talking about Tyrod Taylor differently because of those two plays. Now, if those two plays continued the way they did and Joe Schobert returned that for a touchdown, I think we're having this conversation about what is wrong with Tyrod Taylor. So I want to take it into that perspective. 
I don't know if Tyrod will ever be the guy like Drew Brees that just goes no huddle, is going to throw the ball all over the place, is going to take chances and just really trust both himself and his receivers. I don't think that's in him, and I'm okay with that because I think the Browns have enough talent to make things work. If Todd Haley can call some plays and put them in position to win, Ryan freaking Fitzpatrick did it. And there was three plays I broke down on the OBR, the three big play touchdowns that the Bucks had, and it was a combination of the talent on the field, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. It was the play of Ryan Fitzpatrick to either uh, make the right read, hold the safety, move the safety. But almost more importantly, it was the play calling by Dirk Cutter and whoever his offensive coordinator is at this point in time. The play setup put the players in position that those things could happen. I didn't see that kind of thing from Todd Haley, so Tyrod was a little bit more cautious because he wasn't having guys running wide open in the progression uh, most of the game last week. No, he wasn't. And you can see there was a you know a question of familiarity. And the other thing was, is the running game, which is going to happen when you announce your offensive line on Friday. <laughs> so and, 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 like, I mean, it, it, the running game, we can't even talk about right now. It, it, it's, it's a disservice to even comment. It, it's basically an incomplete because we don't know what's there yet. I think we like the backfield. I think you agree. Everybody in unison, we like the backfield. But until we get a point where these guys are putting in more and more reps together, it'll be easier to critique the backfield, good, bad, whichever way it's going to be. But look, you're going to have to run the ball because the last thing you need is to go again and have this defense take another 84 snaps this Sunday. And then you got to look everybody in the eye and everybody's got to strap it up again on Thursday night. They've got to find a way to make this game shorter going in, you know, obviously going into, you know, the Thursday night game with the Jets. Guys, ever since I've taken on this show, everybody, you know, always wants to talk betting and ask for stuff. You know, who's going to win this week? I can't really help you with that. I have my opinions. I do a couple weekly pulls. I win maybe once, twice a year. But what I can tell you is where you should bet and who you should bet with. MyBookie.com. They've been in business for years. They have a great reviews online. Their mobile app is very, very simple and easy to use. I would only recommend you know a site that's been good to me. I I, I do make some wagers. I I like to bet Thanksgiving. I like to bet you know the Saturday towards the end of the year where you get two games. I don't like to bet you know many because it, it just I end up hating football for the day. So that's why I don't do it usually, guys. Um, but you know mybookie.com. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points scored by you know the premier players in the league. So Michael Thomas this week, obviously, probably has a nice over-under. So that, that might be fun to play. Uh, guys, I'd probably take the over because guys is stud. Alvin Kamara is another one. It's going to be interesting to play that. Josh Gordon, whatever the line is, I'm going to take the over. I think Josh Gordon's going to break out this week. So if you guys want to tip there. My bookie is slammed with new betters. And wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you are going to start your MyBookie account after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will add $25 to your initial amount. So that's a free play deposit over $100. You're going to get $25 on top of that. But here's also the other thing with MyBookie.com. They're going to match your initial initial deposit dollar for dollar. So you put in $100, you get $200. So guys, they're almost giving you free money to play. So uh, go ahead, join mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. Use my promo code. For guys who've listened in the past, it's a new promo code, LOCKDOWN25. 
mybookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Jared, we're going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball here, guy. But um, it, it, it's tough because these guys played really well last week, and they did a tremendous amount. And the the reason the tie happened is because of the defense. And, and you almost wish they were going to a, a Baltimore game or you know a, a lesser offense than this because now I mean these guys kind of feel good about themselves. And it's going to be tough that they have to go face this juggernaut amusement park offense that is the New Orleans <laughs> Saints this week. Yeah, I, I I just feel bad for them at some level. I feel bad for any defense that's playing against the Saints, especially with Drew Brees. The Drew Brees-Greg Williams matchup uh, scares the ever-loving out of me because I think um, – there are often times where you and I can watch and know what's happening and know what's coming. And so Sean Payton has been around Greg Williams, right? As former, uh, the head coach to the defensive coordinator in new Orleans, uh, the idea of drew Brees getting an opportunity uh, and Sean Payton wanting an opportunity to kind of put it Stick on it. his friend. Yep. It, it's scary. Right. And so, and then when you look at kind of the snap percentages from last week and rotations and who was used and who wasn't and uh, with now Agba out this week, Kirksey possibly going to be out this week, it'll be really interesting to see if Greg Williams uh, goes away from his just rampant desire to have multiple linebackers on the field. Maybe he'll let Peppers play linebacker basically in that scheme. Please, please, because please. There, is, there is your guy for Alvin Kamara. I, I don't know Absolutely. if there's another guy on this roster. Jabril Peppers almost should be mirroring, mirroring Alvin Kamara every snap. Absolutely, and I think what we saw last week was really interesting, and, and I don't know if it's because of him as a player or the switching from cornerback to free safety. Brian Body Calhoun did not have a good game last week. He's not the best in man. That is not kind of where he plays his best uh, game. He's a little bit better in zone coverage, uh, but he did not play well last week. So it'll be interesting to see, do they make some adjustments? Do they decide to bring Demarius Randall as the slot corner, dropping Calhoun in uh, as the free safety, maybe using their skills a little bit better? But the Browns have to get really creative. Michael Thomas, uh, that was my guy in that draft. I wanted to draft him even after they drafted Corey Coleman. I thought that would be, you know, a great combination. I think the defense just really um, has to play really well. They need to have a, a better rotation. They need some of those waiver guys, and that's a sad statement to make against Drew Brees and the yeah, New Orleans Saints. You with, were on for the waiver show. I remember. Yeah, Peter Carmichael, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and I'm talking about how important Anthony waiver Zettel. pickups are. Anthony like, Zettel. <laughs> that that's that's difficult now ej Gaines will be back this week so that could help uh, maybe that'll help the rotation a little bit better i am concerned about uh this defense and how they'll be able to uh play the way greg williams wants to play against a drew Brees who can play whatever way he wants to play he's going to get the ball out quickly i think they need to move miles garrett inside as often as possible even though that's a good part of the the saints offensive line Garrett needs to be able to get to the quarterback quickly, and the quickest way to him is from the middle. So I think that's one adjustment that I expect to see is a little bit more miles inside to try to get after Drew Brees or at least get those gargantuanly long pterodactyl arms up in the air to make things a little bit more difficult. 
uh, as he is going. So Garrett next to Larry Ogunjobi with his monster bull rush could help push that pocket, make things a little bit more difficult for Breeze and that offense. But my hopes are a lot lower than it seems like a lot of Browns fans uh, believe the Browns defense is is there to stay as a top five, top ten type defense. I'm not sold on that given the Steelers' limitations, the weather, all that kind of stuff. No, I see, I'm a little different, though, because okay. you know, the PF grade, PFF grades came out, and you had five first- or second-year players score off the charts. And, and, and that's that's a promising thing. Obviously, you know, Larry. Obviously, you know, uh, Miles. Jannard Avery. Denzel Ward. Jabril Peppers. So even though this is always a work in progress, I mean, you look at, you know, the young players who should be the fixture here, and, the, guys, this is what we're hoping for, that everybody's not going to be shipped out in a year or two. <laughs> fixture guys um you know i i do agree maybe miles inside you're gonna see some Jannard avery you're gonna see a lot of chris smith this week it, it seems that it's trending that way um maybe we'll see a little bit of uh you know obviously uh ahitabo from uh, the minnesota vikings you know he might get some opportunities here in pass rush because there's going to be a lot of pass rush guys with the new orleans saints so it's going to be interesting that the way that plays out um yeah I, I this is almost a game where you're not sure with the linebackers uh, you know, Kirksey, which looks like he's going to be a no-go. What are you going to do with Collins? Is is, is he going to be with Ben Watson? Is, is that somewhere where Jamie Collins is going to be? Uh, Denzel Ward, look, again, I, I think you... Look, there's no aspirations here that this team is competing for a Super Bowl. So Denzel Ward should go against every great wide receiver <laughs> week in, week out. And if anything, just to sharpen himself, you know, the old iron versus iron thing. And I'll tell you right now, Ohio State, Ohio State, you know he's got to be chopping at that bit to get as many reps as he can with Michael Thomas. Oh, absolutely. I think the problem is is <coughs> the Cleveland Browns still think they're going to compete for the playoffs, right? The, that's the whole goal. That's the John Dorsey, Hugh Jackson mantra. And that that's not just a mantra they're saying out loud. I'm told that is legit what they expect inside of Berea, which is crazy. But that tells me they're going to play Denzel Ward wherever they think he's best to win the game. And so while that's going to be against Thomas sometimes, who else is going to stay with the speed of Ted Ginn? I mean, no one really can, but if someone's going to, that someone is Denzel Ward, which will be another Ohio State-Ohio State matchup. And I think that's the key when we're looking at this defense is, you know, matchups make the battles, right? Matchups make the fight. And you have go from Ben Roethlisberger, who holds the ball forever, tries to make plays, dances around. I mean, the most frustrating quarterback in Cleveland Browns, quote-unquote, history, watching him just, oh, he almost got sagged. No, he didn't. Now it's a touchdown, right? So you have that guy, and now you go to Drew Brees, who gets the ball out quickly. I think you're going to see that. My concern is, again, that matchup works out better for the Browns when you have a Miles Garrett and Jannard Avery and Emmanuel Ogba and Larry Ogunjobi. Now that you have that talent – Ben Roethlisberger's not getting away like he used to. I'm not sure if that talent matches up well against Drew Brees because when Greg Williams has Denzel Ward or EJ Gaines or whoever, Terrence Mitchell, 10 yards off, that guy's getting the ball. Drew Brees is going to snap the ball, throw it to that guy. That guy's going to make 7, 8, 20 yards, whatever it looks like, because that's what Drew Brees does. He doesn't care about having to make the big play all the time. He finds the right play really, really quickly, and so – 
I love the young guys. I absolutely love the young guys, especially against Joe Flacco, Ben Roethlisberger, and I think Andy Dalton is not very good. So against those three, I think the defense is really set up well against those quarterbacks. Against a Drew Brees-type quarterback, scared to death that Greg Williams is not going to make any kind of adjustments because he doesn't really believe in making adjustments. He believes in bringing his defense, and you got to beat his defense. I would bet my my mortgage, my house, everything, that Drew Brees will beat his defense if he doesn't make the adjustments necessary because he's playing Drew Brees, not Ben Roethlisberger. 100%. Uh, you know, because Drew is just going to, you know, he will pick you apart, take everything that is given to him, and everything he does is just functionally quicker, and it makes sense. Obviously, Drew Brees is a six foot quarterback, Big Ben six foot five, but <laughs> he will take every drop that's given to him, and you know that's why this guy is forty years old, undersized, and still a killer in this league. Guys, you're listening to Lockdown Browns. Uh, yeah, obviously, guys, the host is always Jeff Floyd, former host Jared Mueller, one of my favorite guys to have on here. Jared and all the uh, great guys over at the OBR do fantastic work. Uh, guys, Matt Williamson locked on NFL. Fantastic lineup he has for you guys this fall. Monday, it'll be the guys from you know the locked on shows, whatever the biggest storylines are for the week. Uh, you're going to get Mike Renner uh, from PFF. You're going to get Mike Sando from ESPN. You're going to get Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, breaking down whatever offensive things were the topic of the week. Matt Williamson, the locked on NFL show, does a fantastic job. Check it out. Now, Jared, before we put a bow on this, here's offensively, defensively. I want you to give me a guy on each side of the ball. If Cleveland is to win this game, give me a guy offensively and defensively who needs to be responsible and it needs to be the guy to step up for this to happen. Outside of coaching, because uh, I, I put a lot well, we're of... Never gonna, we're never going to put it on that. <laughs> um, outside of coaching, I think on the offensive side of the ball, it's about using Duke Johnson and Duke Johnson making plays uh, when he gets the ball and not dancing, just getting the yards that he needs to get. Um, I think he needs to be a bigger target. I, obviously, Josh Gordon is going to be targeted a little bit more uh, than last week. I don't if he's any less, that's a big problem. But I think Duke Johnson really can make a huge impact because I think Duke Johnson can run the ball in almost any type of run. And so we don't just have to use him on draws and and those outside sweeps and those kind of things. I think Duke Johnson can be a playmaker in a variety of ways. And I think the Browns need to find a way to use him. I think Carlos Hyde is fine for what he does. Maybe he's a little bit like Alvin Kamara. Who knows? Right. I mean, honestly, he's a lot like Frank Gore in my book. He's just never really been given the opportunity to be used like Frank Gore. They don't run the same. I don't mean that. But uh, I think I think Duke Johnson could have, again, we're talking about a future Hall of Famer, but I think he could be Frank Gore-like in his career if he was used as a primary back. No one has ever used him as a primary back, and that's fine, but you still need to use him. So on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's Duke, Don- Duke Johnson. On the defensive side of the ball, I actually think it's going to be Demarius Randall. I think Randall, from his experience in practice with Aaron Rodgers um, and just his versatility, his ability to uh, get out there and play man-to-man against some wide receivers, right? He actually played decently against Josh Gordon last year. He got away with a few penalties, but... 
he played decently. I think Demarius Randall gives Greg Williams a chess piece that can be all over the field, can confuse Drew Brees a little bit because he's not just a deep free safety. He can come on the blitz. He can man up. He can drop into zone. He can do a lot of different things. I think Demarius Randall has to continue to play a huge game so that Greg Williams can continue to get creative, send six guys every once in a while, five guys, drop Miles Garrett into coverage because he's going to do it. He's going to drop Larry Ogunjobi into coverage. Demarius Randall covers up a lot of that stuff. So I think if Duke Johnson uh, can be used and can be used well, and I think if Demarius Randall, again, I don't care about interceptions. I care about the ability to lock down receivers. I care about the ability to knock down passes. I care about the ability to be in the right place. And so I think Demarius Randall can do that. He's got the size, the speed, the knowledge. And I do think playing against Aaron Rodgers for four years, three years, is really impactful for him to understand what a quarterback is going to try to do. And so I think he's going to look at Drew Brees and understand what Drew Brees is trying to do uh, far more than some of the other guys who haven't had the opportunity to be against Rodgers for part of his career. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's the veteran presence and understanding you know, what these guys who have eight, 17, 18 year resumes do. Um, Jared, uh, we'll just do one last thing here before we uh, you know, turn out the lights. Score prediction. What do you got? <laughs> um, I I think it's going to get ugly. Um, I think the Browns will score some some late points. Um, I think we're looking at another thirty eight points for the Saints and the Browns. Maybe get back to twenty one, maybe twenty four. Um, I just don't think the Browns. When you look at kind of controlling the game, I don't think the Browns are going to control the game. Uh, I think the calls for Baker Mayfield will increase. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Uh, I think the calls for Hugh Jackson's heads are going to is going to increase. I also Yay. don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I don't listen. If I, based on everything I'm hearing, unless something crazy happens, I expect Hugh Jackson to coach 16 games for the Cleveland Browns this year, and that obviously is not because I like him, um, and that's not because I want that to happen. But from everything I hear, I expect Hugh Jackson to make it through 16 games again, unless things just don't go well. And that comment by Amos Jones, the special teams coach today. Did not uh, help. Did not help. It may mean, again, we might be looking for drama because we're used to drama. It may mean some things behind the scenes just aren't going well. But overall, I think the game's going to be 38-40, somewhere in that area for the Saints. And the Browns pushing 21-24. The Browns haven't scored 30 points in so long um, with their offense, at least. Until we suit, we can't believe it exactly. Uh, Absolutely. So Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at. What are you feeling? I've grown less confident as the week's week has gone on. Um, I thought maybe in you know I think the spread eight and a half nine or whatever. I thought it was something they could cover, but I mean going back to the line of you know until we see it we don't know. I mean in order for this team to cover, Tyrod Taylor's you got to be talking about close to a three hundred yard day unless you're going to run for two hundred, which I don't think we can yet with this, you know, unestablished offensive line. So you're talking for 303 scores. Um, when I asked you about the guys who needed to step up, I do agree wholeheartedly with Duke Johnson. Josh Gordon is kind of your guy here who can erase, you know, you know, the Saints just went down in one minute and hung a touchdown on you. Is there one guy that can go 75 yards? You know, it's Josh Gordon is that type of guy. So I think Josh Gordon, as far as, you know, an offensive guy who needs to step up, that's that guy, but I'm growing less and less confident. I, I, I'm more with you of a 
23-24. And the thing is, guys, if you're watching this game, you better score touchdowns. You can't go out there, kick four field goals, and hang with the New Orleans Saints. It ain't going to happen with Michael hey, Thomas. Hey, Jeff, uh, you said 300-yard passing game, so I decided to you know, pull up the Google machine real quick. How many 300-yard passing games has Tyrod Taylor had in his career? Is there one? There's one. Christmas Eve, 2016, against the Miami Dolphins. 26 of 39, 329 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. There you go. That's what you need. One 300-yard game in his career. Again, he hasn't started the ton of games that most people have. Um, He's had a total of 44 starts. He's had one 300-yard game in his career where passing offenses are all the rage. Wow. So, (laughs) wow, wow. So, well, there we go. If he can match his career best effort, that's where we're at, kids. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would, um, you know, if the line, if it's, you know, guys, if you can get it anywhere, even double digits, I would go ahead and take the New Orleans Saints. Uh, (laughs) I do want to thank Jared for joining us here this evening. Obviously, uh, follow Jared Mueller. All the fantastic work him and the guys at the OBR do, whether it's Jake Burns and the rest of the guys, they put in a ton of work. They put out quality content. And the best part is they're always appreciative and find the time to come here and join us here on Locked On Browns. Follow the show at Locked On Browns, the Twitter account. I keep it a follow-back account. You guys, just the responses I've been getting, this is going to be the biggest month ever here at Locked On Browns. And it's because of you guys and you guys feed me people you want on. I'm able to go ahead and try and get them, and most of the time they come through with it, so I could not be more appreciative. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's been an absolute blast here so far. Um, it, it's great that the team is more competitive. It's great that there is a lot more talent in this building, uh, you know, in the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, the running back position, everywhere. Uh, it's a fun ride. Don't get too high, too low, too early. As I try to keep telling everybody here, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, you know, and to the guys and all the fans with the nine wins and that, guys, just <laughs> enjoy it and let it progress. Let it marinate. You know, uh, you know, some minor victories for some major victories is what we're looking for. Uh, guys, so like I said, thanks for everything. Uh, we will talk right after the game on Sunday. Until then, let's go Browns.